Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about COVID-19 and specifically um, an amendment that's come out on IFRS 16 on rent concessions. And to help me understand all of the ins and outs of that amendment, I'm joined by not one but two amazing gurus, the lovely Sandra Thompson and Scott Bandura. Welcome back, both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. You've both done many, many COVID podcasts with me. Um, so I need you for more information. And um, Sandra, I think we have already spoken about IFRS 16 leases in general. And in that podcast, I think you mentioned that there was a proposed amendment, but now the amendment has happened and it's there. And so we need lots more information. So could you give us, start us off with a high level? Yeah, thank you, Ruth. As you say, the the long awaited amendment is here. Um, (laughs) So perhaps before we get into the amendment itself, what is the issue that it's trying to address? So as a result of COVID-19, we're seeing many rent concessions being granted to lessees. Now, they do come in all shapes and forms, but the two most common are either payment holidays. So, for example, three months of rent might be waived and never paid or alternatively payment deferrals. So the rents aren't paid for the next three months, but they're paid sometime in the future. And I think you're if you listen to my last podcast, you'll realise it can be quite complex to assess how to account for those rent concessions. And in particular, whether they meet a modification under IFRS 16 or not. And then if they are a modification to do the accounting that IFRS 16 requires. And the ISB is well aware of this complexity. They've published this amendment that is designed to give operational relief to lessees. They don't have to do this assessment. They do not have to assess whether a a qualifying rent concession is or is not a lease modification. It is optional. It's a practical expedient and it's only lessees. So um, Scott's going to come on in a few minutes to talk about lessors, but what I'm going to talk about relates only to lessees. Brilliant. So good news it's here. Um, now let's get into some of the details and maybe let if we start with the scope of the amendment. Yeah, so it does only apply to certain rent concessions. So those are the rent concessions that occur as a direct consequence of COVID-19. And in addition, you need to meet three conditions. So I'll walk through each condition and try and flesh out a bit what each means. So the first is that the revised consideration for the lease is either substantially the same as or less than what it was before. Why would it be substantially the same and not exactly the same or less? Well, you can have instances where the lessor might add interest. So it might be a deferral of payments, but that interest until the payments are paid. And that could in some cases result in the consideration being a little bit more. And those would be in the scope. So that's the first condition. So the second condition is that any reduction in lease payments affects only payments that are otherwise due on or before the 30th of June 2021. So about a year from now. Now, if you have reductions in lease payments that go beyond that date, maybe to the end of 2021, then the whole concession doesn't qualify. You can't carve it up into two bits. On the other hand, you could have a rent reduction before June 2021 that's compensated for by an increase after that date. And that would qualify. So it's only the reduction that needs to happen before June 2021. And one question we're getting in practice, well, what about open ended rent concessions? So, for example, if the concession is that the lessee doesn't pay rents for as long as a leased retail store remains closed because of government restrictions. Now, here, I think if it's expected that the store will reopen before June 2021 
and the rent concession doesn't cover any subsequent store closures after that date, then you would qualify. However, if it's not expected the store will reopen before June 2021, then you don't qualify. So a bit of judgments there. And then the final third condition is that there's no substantive change to the other terms and conditions of the lease. Now, I'm sure you're going to say, what's a substantive mm-hmm. change? And I'm going to say, well, IFRS is principles-based. We don't have bright lines. But you would need to think about qualitative and quantitative factors. So again, if I try and bring, give you some examples to flesh that to life, let's suppose you've got a lease with a remaining term of five years and it's subject to a three-month rent holiday before June 2021 followed by a three-month extension to the term of the lease, so in five years' time. Now, I think that wouldn't be a substantive change. You've just got three months tagged on the end that compensates for the three months that were, were not paid before June 2021. On the other hand, if that same example, if the lease term was extended by two years, then that would be a substantive change. Or, for example, if there's a change to the scope of the lease, so maybe less rental space is actually leased, then that could be a substantive change. The one area we're getting quite a few questions on is what if the lease payments change from fixed to variable? And we are seeing this. So it could have been previously that all the lease payments were fixed. And the concession could be that, say, for a three-month period in 2021, those payments are made variable. They might vary with the turnover generated by the leased asset. Now, I think if that's a short period, COVID-19, say three months in 2020, and then it reverts to all fixed payments thereafter, that wouldn't be a substantive change. However, if, say, you have a five-year lease and all of the payments become variable, then that would be a substantive change. So hopefully I'll flesh that out a bit. And then the final scope question we're getting is, well, what leases does this apply to? Is it an all or nothing choice? I said it's optional for the lessee, but if a lessee chooses to apply it, do they have to do it to all leases? And the answer is no. But on the other hand, it's not a lease-by-lease choice either. So you'd apply the general principles in IFRS 16, which means you apply the practical expedient consistently to all these contracts with similar characteristics and similar circumstances. So, for example, a lessee might apply it to all property leases, but not to vehicle leases. Wow. So lots of conditions to think through and a few judgments chucked in there. It couldn't couldn't be too simple for us. So lots to think about. Thank you. Um, So once you've decided you are in the scope of the amendment, what is the actual accounting? What can the lessees do? Well, the basic relief is that lessees that apply the amendment account for rents concessions in the same way as they would if they were not lease modifications. So the standard doesn't explicitly tell you how to do it, but it does say it's not a lease modification, so don't do lease modification accounting. And I think in many cases that's going to result in the concession being lease variable lease payments. In fact, negative variable lease payments because it's relief. And therefore you book the effect in the period in which the event or condition that triggers the relief actually happens. Again, what does that mean in practice? Well, let's go back to the two most common types I talked about at the start. So let's start with a rent reduction. So there is an actual waiver of some of the amounts that would otherwise be due. Now, in this case, you get a gain for the present value of the amount that's been forgiven. And the lessee would also make a corresponding adjustment to the lease liability, because that's also been forgiven. If the concession takes the form of a deferral rather than a waiver, then similarly the lessee gets a gain, but it's a smaller amount, because the only impact here is a present value difference. The nominal amounts paid are the same, they're just paid later. So there is that present value difference due to the delay in payment. 
So I say typically a smaller gain. And similarly, they adjust the lease liability by the same amount. The other question is, well, when would you do this? And I mentioned it would be when the event or condition that triggers the reduced payments or deferred payments happens. And that will depend on bid on facts and circumstances. So if you take a case, for example, um, you've got a lease, live, a lease restore that normally requires monthly payments, say of 100. Let's suppose the government's forced all um, stores for non-essential goods and services to close until the government says it's safe to reopen. And let's suppose, say, in March, the lessor forgives lease payments for, say, April, May and June, three months, but provided the government continues to say that kind of store must be closed. The government restriction is still in place. And there is genuine uncertainty about how long that will be for. In that case, you take it month by month as each month's rental is forgiven because that's what triggers the relief happening. So it's both that it's only it's limited to three months, but the store has to remain closed because of the government restriction. And you won't know that month by month. On the other hand, if the lessor agreed at the outset that it was a fixed three months, whether or not the store remained closed, then you'd book the impact as at the date that's agreed. So back in March, in my example. Perfect. And is there, as part of this, is there an overall effect on the right of use asset? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so there's no direct effect. So Lessie would continue to account for the right of use asset, applying the normal requirements in IFRS 16. However, the fact there's been a rent concession might be an indicator there could be an impairment under I-36. So do you think about the impairment requirements in 36? Brilliant. And we've got another podcast on impairment. So if anyone's not sure about the requirements of I-36, they can listen to that. OK, so brilliant summary there of what the lessees need to do for the actual sort of debits and credits. What about presentation and disclosure? Mm, well, as with so many amendments and these standards themselves it does come with disclosures um, and there Never. are three yeah, there are three main required disclosures so first if the lessee's applied the exemption it has to say so it has to state that fact secondly it has to say which leases it has applied it to so whether it's applied it to all leases or whether it's own if it's only applied to some leases which ones it has and then finally the amount recognized in profit or loss that's arisen from COVID-19 related rent concessions. So, you know, I talked about that, that gain a few minutes ago, the amount of that gain. So that's disclosure. What about presentation? Well, there's no explicit guidance in the amendments about presentation. And in particular, where in the income statement you would book the gain I've, I've described. Um, and there are a number of options. So if it's counted for as variable lease payments, then it might be appropriate to present them in the same line item as you'd normally present variable lease payments which is often operating expense of some kind or maybe other expense. If the lessee thinks, well, this is more in the nature of a forgiveness of some of the lease liability, then you might book that in the same line item as you would normally book um, forgiveness of liabilities. So that might be somewhere within financing. If the amount's material, it could merit a separate line item all of its own. So degree of judgment there. But I think the important thing is the entity is clear as to what it's done and it applies it consistently. So one of the last um, points, I suppose, from the amendment perspective and what the people probably care about that are listening is when can they start using this amendment for less fees? Well, the good news is that straight away. So the ISB gave this as operational relief for lessees. It knew that lessees needed it. So it's given it as soon as it can. Um, so the amendments came out on the 28th of May and they can be early adopted for any financial statements that had not yet been issued as at the 28th of May. So, for example, if a lessee had maybe March financial statements, whether interim or annual financial statements, and those financial statements had not yet been approved for issue, 
at the 28th of May, then it can apply the amendment. And same for June, um, June 30th is obviously coming up, any June 30th financial statements. The amendments are mandatory for annual periods beginning on or after the 1st of June 2020. Now the relief itself is optional, but if a lessee does want to apply it, that's the latest they can do so. But actually we think that many lessees will want to apply this early. The one thing I should note is all of I just said is subject to any local endorsement requirements, so do bear that in mind. Then when the amendments are applied, they are retrospective, but you don't have to give that disclosure in, in IS8 of what the impact would have been in previous years had you not had the, the amendments. And then one final comment is all that I've just said and plenty more is in our in-depth um, on the amendment, which we can find on, on our usual coronavirus sites. Brilliant. Thank you, Sandra. So that was all about the amendment and great plug there for our PwC in-depth, which is on informand.com as well. Scott, if I turn to you, so Sandra mentioned up front that the amendment obviously is focused on lessees. So what on earth do lessors do? That's, that's right. It's important to note that the amendments don't apply to lessors. So just bear that in mind. Uh, but we have had quite a few questions about how lessors account for rent concessions. Uh, the substance of the concession really needs to be carefully considered in light of the particular terms of the concession. Some concessions, for example, might be accounted for as negative variable lease payments, forgiveness of some of the lease payments, deferral of some of the lease payments, or a lease modification. Our focus today uh, will be primarily on operating lessors because that's where we're seeing the questions arise most often in practice. Brilliant. So you said that you've had lots of questions. So maybe if we could summarise some of those to help people with sort of common examples. So give us your first common example to help us understand. Sure. Uh, one scenario is where the lessor is required to reduce or waive certain payments because of force majeure clauses in the contract or applicable laws or regulation. Uh, in this case, it might not be considered a lease modification since the uh, concessions are provided in accordance with existing contractual or legal terms. If so, the, the entity would treat these as negative variable lease payments and book the loss in the period that the event or condition that gave rise to the rent reduction occurs. Perfect. So you mentioned there um, that the lessor's required to weigh over the payments. Mm -hmm. What if they voluntarily forgave those future rentals? Yeah, so if a, if a lessor voluntarily forgives future rentals, um, here we would assume there's nothing in the contract or laws or regulations, obviously, that require the, the reduction. And that's why it's considered voluntary. The modified lease would be accounted for as if it was a new lease when both parties agreed to the new terms. And in this case, the forgiveness would reduce the total consideration to be received by the lessor over the term of the lease, and hence the amount of the revenue, amount of revenue that the lessor ultimately records. This reduction uh, in lease payments would be spread over the lease term using the usual pattern of revenue recognition, which is generally uh, straight line. The accounting is similar to a rent-free period granted by the lessor when Revenue continues to be recognised even if there are no payments over that period. Perfect. So there we talked about forgiving future payments. What about if a lessor forgave past uh, rent that was due but hasn't yet been paid? Right. Well, here the accounting could be different because the forgiveness relates to past rent. So a lease receivable would have been recognised. And IFRS 9 and IFRS 16 consider the situation a bit differently. And it's not clear which standard would be applied. So we believe an accounting policy choice exists in this case. Um, the first choice would be that the lessor could apply IFRS 9D recognition guidance and determine the forgiveness to be an extinguishment of the lease receivable, resulting in an immediate loss recognized in earnings. 
Alternatively, the lessor could consider IFRS 16 and consider this to be a lease modification. It would then treat this as a new lease with any accrued lease payments treated as part of the payments for the new lease. So it wouldn't change the amount previously recognized on the balance sheet in this case for past rentals, but instead it would recognize the lower lease income over the remaining term of the lease. Important to note that the IFRS 9 approach only applies to amounts receivable for past rent, so it can get trickier if the lessor, as a result of the concession, waives or forgives both past payments and payments for future rents. The IFRS 9D recognition policy can't be applied to those future rents. So it's really important to get a clear understanding of the terms of the concession and what the balance sheet position is at the date of the amendments to the lease. Okay, so we've gone through three scenarios there about forgiveness. And when Sandra was talking, the another scenario mentioned from a lessee perspective was maybe a deferral of a payment rather than forgiveness. So what does a lessor need to do if they defer a payment um, and maybe without charging interest? That's right. We are seeing some uh, arrangements like that where uh, lessors are simply deferring the due date of payments to a later period without changing the overall cash due on the lease. So for example, uh, you might have a payment of $100 that would have been due in the current months and now current month, and now it's due three months later. In the case of these types of short-term deferrals, uh, the lessor might view the change as being proportionate and therefore not changing the total consideration for the lease. Uh, if so, the, the lessor wouldn't view the change as a lease modification. Um, as we talked about, operating lessors typically recognize revenue on a straight-line basis, which is a nominal calculation. So where the total payments remain the same on a nominal basis, i.e. an undiscounted basis, there wouldn't be an impact on the amount of revenue recognized by the lessor. If there were, say, 100 payments of $100, the total revenue to be recognized over the term of the lease remains $10,000, even if some of those payments have been deferred. So an operating lessor would account for the same nominal payments over the same lease term on the same basis as before the change, which is, again, typically on a straight line basis. However, just a reminder that to the extent that the deferrals result in a buildup of an accrued rent receivable or a straight line rent debit, as it's sometimes called, the lessor should apply the expected credit loss impairment requirements under IFRS 9. Um, and obviously, we have some other podcasts if you're interested in, in more about the expected credit loss uh, methodology that you could listen to on that subject. Thanks for the plug there, Scott, for other podcasts as well. I love to hear that. And last off, it's been like, you know, it's my mantra now that we end on disclosure. The good news is it's not an amendment. So surely there can't be disclosure, but I'm sure there's plenty in IFRS 16 to disclose. Well, I, I mean, as we talked about, there are different treatments that could result, right? So some some situations could result in taking a loss up front, uh, others spreading it over time without an upfront loss. And the same lessor, in fact, might have different agreements for different jurisdictions or with different customers. So might have multiple of these treatments apply across their entire portfolio of leases. So I think the key thing is really that the disclosure should tell the story to readers of the effects of these concessions, uh, the accounting adopted, and any judgments that, that are made uh, in relation to the accounting will be will be critical. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much uh, for joining me today to take me through the world of how uh, rent concessions has been impacted by the current pandemic. And um, as Sandra 
Sandra mentioned that we've got loads of great guidance on PwC Inform. We've got the in-depth and lots of frequently asked questions on leases as well. Plenty of other things for you to look for. Thank you for joining us. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. Stay safe and happy accounting. The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.